And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Well, it's good to be back home. It's good to be here in Crawfordville, excited about sharing the Word of God with you. Um, Thank you for all your prayers for me and my family over the past two years, and especially over the past um, two months. And we feel those prayers, and we are very grateful as you have prayed for us in this journey that we are on. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 10. That's where we're going to be camping out this morning. I want to take a few minutes to introduce you to the ministry of the Rooftop International, um, a ministry that I've been a part of for the last seven years years, and then we'll dive into Acts 10, which is really the the very biblical foundation of this ministry of the rooftop. So let me just tell you a little bit about the rooftop itself. Um, The rooftop is a global ministry. Um, As you'll see on that next slide, this is some pictures of our leaders from across the globe, and you'll hear some of them in a few moments in a video. We are um, presently in 53 countries around the globe, and I serve as a senior pioneer across North America. So I work with a team across the United States and Mexico, and now we're working on Canada. And um, it's just an amazing work that God has put together. When we began seven years ago, we launched with four countries, thinking it would be maybe 30 years before we ever even got close to 50 countries, and God decided to do it in seven. And and so we just keep keep trying to stay out of his way and let him do what he wants to do. But the heartbeat of the rooftop is to help, is to really help believers begin to see beyond the walls of their buildings, the walls of their church buildings, the walls of their comfort zones, and to begin to see people the way God sees people. And then understand how do we engage them with the gospel so that we can make disciples who make disciples. And that's really the heartbeat of everything we do, um, just to help believers begin to really look at their community, their neighborhood, their city, through the eyes of God. And and one of the ways that we do that, one of the primary ways that we do that is through an event um, that we call the Rooftop Encounter. And this is something that we have done for years all over the world, where we take Christians and pastors and leaders in cities, and, and we take them to places, if possible, that are high, where they can look out over their city, and begin to really look at their city and say, God, what do you see when you see my city and where are you working in my city so that I can join you in what you're doing and one of the most important questions is God what is in my life that's keeping me from fully joining Jesus in his mission to seek and save those that are lost and all of that comes right out of Acts chapter 10 and so we've done these all over the world these are some of the ones that I have led in the past few years that picture at the top um, the top left of the man with his hands on the glass is one of my favorite pictures Um, actually Susan took that picture in Chicago um, several years ago when we were doing a rooftop encounter at the Willis Tower which everybody still calls the Sears Tower Um, um, the 99th floor looking out over Chicago and then that one right next to it just took place two weeks ago in Cincinnati with about 54 pastors and leaders um, the one in the middle um, of course Washington DC is pretty obvious and we do that every year as a national encounter and then the one in the middle is in Seoul South Korea on 2018 I was asked to go to South Korea and one of the stipulations if I went I would lead a rooftop encounter and so they set up a great venue in the tallest building in all of Seoul South Korea the Latte Tower hour and uh, the other picture of Chicago as well but we do these all over the world to really help people begin to see their city through God's eyes and um, and we are so excited how God has used those but the vision God gave us a number of years ago we began having this conversation what would it look like if on one day at 5 p.m. local time um, people all over the world gathered on rooftops hilltops mountainsides high places street corners 
looked out over their communities, over their cities, and said, God, would you send revival? Would you give us a fresh vision of your heart for our city? Would you set us on fire to begin engaging our city with the gospel and make disciples? What would that look like? And God gave us the vision for the global encounter, which is the next slide, October 2nd, 2022. Well, right now we're looking at 100 countries at 5 p.m. locals time, starting in Australia, where Christians will be gathering what could be the largest prayer gathering of Christians ever, as people gather all over the world and they begin to pray and say, God, would you do a fresh work in our city? Would you do a fresh work in my life, in the life of my church, in the life of the church? And God, would you set us on fire to begin reaching where we live, work, and play with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the people that we see every single day. And so I want to show you a brief video, which introduces a number of our pioneers from around the world um, that gives you the heartbeat and what's going to be happening on October 2nd, 2022. Imagine a gathering of Christians from nations all across the world. Thousands upon thousands looking out across the communities where they live. Perhaps the largest gathering of Christians there has ever been. The gathering is on rooftops, hilltops, in buildings, in homes, on the streets, online. It is not all in one place but scattered across the cities, towns, and villages of Florence. They gather with one purpose, to seek the fresh vision of God's heart for the lost, who are outside the walls of the church, and then join Jesus in his mission. Jesus described his mission in a few words. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. His mission took place outside the walls, among the people, for the broken, the sick, the proud, the hopeless, the helpless. He had a message. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The mission was not just words. It was a demonstration of God's love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But then he rose again. Countless millions of people have no idea about this good news. They face a lost eternity and they don't even know it. Jesus' mission must be completed, but so often the message stays inside the walls. It is time for the church to gather to seek a fresh vision of God's hearts and then to join Jesus in his mission among the people outside the world. It is time for the rooftop global encounter. On October 2nd, 2022, at 5 p.m. local time, Christians all over the world will be gathering, looking across their communities and seeking a deep encounter with God. They will, like Peter on a rooftop in Acts chapter 10, discover God's deep passion for those outside the walls. They will ask God to help them to see what He sees when He looks at their community. They will ask God to transform their hearts to align with His. From regional locations coordinated from a central hub, we will be providing regular updates and sharing the remarkable stories of transformation as these encounters are taking place across the world. We pray 
that the global encounter will ignite a new godly passion in all those that gather. A passion that will shift the focus of the church to those outside, to those that Jesus came to see and to save. We long that this moment of encounter will lead to a movement of disciple making that will spread across the world and make it possible for millions to hear the good news and become disciples who make disciples. A movement that leads to a movement. I'm Dennis Pevers, the founder of the Rooftop International, and I encourage you, wherever you are in the world, on October the 2nd, 2022, to gather with other Christians, look across your community, seek a fresh vision of God's heart for the lost, and then join Jesus in his mission. We invite you to join us along with the Christians from all across the world to be part of the Rooftop Global Encounter. To God be the only glory. So be praying for us as we move toward October 2nd. We're less than a year away. Um, there is some information on the resource table if you want to sign up for monthly updates. If you'd like to become part of the Rooftop Global Encounter um, partners, um, there's a 22 for 22 that we have developed where people are giving $22 a month um, to go toward the Rooftop Global Encounter as we prepare for that event. Two of, of Dennis's Peathers is our founder. He was the last guy you heard speak. We have his book, The Rooftop, over there as well. Um, this is actually also his story of his journey from atheism to Christianity and how he came to know Christ and really what is at the heart of the rooftop movement. And a great book he wrote a number of years ago called More to Life, Reaching People with the Message of Jesus. And so we have both of those over there as well. And if you decide to want to become a global rooftop encounter partner, um, we'll give you these gifts as a gift and give you both these books as a gift so just see me afterwards and i'm glad to talk to you about that and answer any of the questions you have as you look so over some of that information well let's dive into acts chapter 10 because this is really the heart and the biblical foundation of the rooftop movement around the globe it's it, to me it's, it's 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 one of my favorite chapters in the new testament but really acts chapter 10 is one of the most pivotal chapters um, not just in the book of acts but in the entire new testament everything shifts in Acts chapter 10 in the life of the church. We're going to pick up the story at verse 9, where Peter goes to a rooftop to pray. And it says, beginning in verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Now, to understand what's happening here with this weird vision that, that Peter has on the rooftop, you have to understand both the historical context of this passage plus what's happening presently with Peter. 
So here's the historical context. We all know that in Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost came, 3,000 Jews came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10, um, tens of thousands more come to know Jesus. The church is quite large by the time you get to Acts chapter 10. But here's the issue. All of those thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have given their life to Jesus Christ are all Jewish. <laughs> Outside of the exception of an Ethiopian eunuch, no one is reaching out to the Gentile world. But all of that's about the change in Acts 10. And the reason they're not reaching out to the Gentile world is because the Jews were still living in this paradigm. They had come to believe many centuries earlier that Gentiles are unclean, that they should not be associated with. You don't talk to them. You don't have them in your home. You don't eat with them because to do so would make you unclean because they don't look like us. They're different. They don't act like us. They don't worship our God. They don't eat our kind of food. And so the Jewish culture, by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, has nothing to do with Gentiles. And when the church was birthed, that paradigm was carried over into the life of the church. So here's Peter, James, and John, who I believe heard very clearly Jesus say something one day about go into all the world. <laughs> but somehow the world ended at the end of Judaism for them. And so even the disciples are not reaching out to the Gentiles. But all of that's about the change in Acts chapter 10 because of what happens to Peter on a rooftop. To give you the context of the story, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, you meet a guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He is a Roman officer. He lives in Caesarea Philippi, which is the headquarters for Pontius Pilate. He's part of the Italian regiment, the most fierce, loyal regiment in all of Rome. If there was any man that would be hated by the, by the Jews, it would have been Cornelius. But Cornelius wasn't just any ordinary Gentile Roman centurion. Because in verse 2, it says that he was a man who feared God with all of his household. That he was a man who was very generous with his giving. And he was praying continually to God. And, and the word for prayer there in the original language is a word deami. It's only used a handful of times in the New Testament. But it's a powerful word because it's called the binding prayer. It's what we used to call praying through. It's that kind of prayer that says, God, I am not going to stop praying until you answer me. That's what Cornelius is doing. He wants to know God. He wants to know the God of Israel. He's a Gentile, so he can't go into the synagogue and ask questions. So he's just seeking God. And in the first eight verses, what happens is God sends an angel to him in a vision. And the angel says to Cornelius, Cornelius, God's heard your prayers. He sees your heart. And now here's what I want you to do. I want you to send three men to Joppa to find a guy named Peter. <laughs> he's staying at a tanner's house named Simon and bring him back to you. And so that's what Cornelius does. He calls together with two of his servants, a Roman soldier, and he sends them off to Joppa to go find this Peter. Well, while they're on their way, Peter goes to the housetop, the rooftop to pray, and he's hungry. I think it's humorous here that God takes advantage of his hunger <laughs> because he's on the rooftop. They're preparing lunch downstairs. It's 12 noon, and he's praying, and he has this incredible vision. This sheet, this huge, large sheet descends from heaven. Filled with all these birds, animals, reptiles, all, by the way, unclean according to Jewish dietary law. A Jew would never even think about eating anything in that sheet. But in the midst of him looking at this sheet, he's hungry. God says something to him that is rather unique. He says, Peter, 
rise, kill, and eat. To which Peter responds with two words that should never go together in the same sentence. No, Lord. Anybody see a problem with those two words? No, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. I can't do that. It's really kind of humorous because really what Peter is saying is, God, I can't do what you're telling me to do because you forbid me to do it in the Old Testament. So he's really confused. And God says to him, what God has made clean, don't call unclean. Don't call common. And that really confuses him. And this happens three times, and then everything just goes back up into heaven. And here's Peter standing on the rooftop, scratching his head, trying to figure out what in the world is this about? Is God giving me a new dietary law? What's going on here? Well, about that time, those three Gentiles are standing at the gate, and they're saying, hey, is this where Simon lives, this guy named Peter? And the Holy Spirit says to him, Peter, there are three men waiting for you downstairs. Go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. It's interesting here that you notice something. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell Peter that the three men waiting are Gentiles. It's almost like God said, I'm going to let him find that on his own once he gets downstairs. All Peter needed to know at that moment in time was, I have sent them. Go with them. So Peter heads downstairs. You read the story to summarize what happens. And he sees these three Gentiles, which immediately alarms him because one of them is a Roman soldier. He introduces himself says, why are you here? And they tell them the story of their master Cornelius, how this angel had come to him and said, go get Peter. And at this point is when Peter begins to put all the pieces together and understand that what happened on the rooftop didn't have anything to do with food. It had everything to do with people. People who were beyond the walls of Judaism. And we know that because of verse 23, the very first part of that verse says, so he invited the men to be his guests. Because any other day of the week, he would have shut the door in their face because they were Gentiles. But now Peter knows God's doing something. So he invites him in to be his guest, violating all culture, all tradition, stepping way out of his comfort zone. And then the next day, talks some Jewish brothers to go with him to the house of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. But God's working on Peter. And we know that by the time Peter gets to Cornelius' house, he fully understands what God is telling him. Because when he walks in the house, look at verse 28. This house, by the way, now is filled with Gentiles because Cornelius, is aunt, he has invited every aunt, uncle, cousin, brother, sister, friend and said, I want you to come hear Peter. I want you to come hear about this, this Jesus. And so they're all packed in this house. Peter walks in in verse 28. He says to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. It's in that moment that Peter gets it. He walks in the house. He sees all these Gentiles. By the way, they are as shocked. They are as shocked as Peter is. <laughs> you know, they know a Jew should not be in a Gentile home. That's why he says, guys, you know and I know I shouldn't be here. It's unlawful for a Jew to associate with anybody outside of another nation. But then he says those two great words I love, but God, but God. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common, any person unclean. And at that point in the story, Peter begins to share the gospel with this house full of Gentiles 
the story of Jesus, how he died on the cross, how he rose from the dead, how he died for their sins. If they believe in him, they could be saved. And before Peter can even have an opportunity to say, would you like to trust Jesus? Look what happens in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. What happens in this chapter is a Gentile Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls on everybody in the household. The entire household comes to Christ. And just like on the day of Pentecost, they start speaking in other languages. And Peter recognizes what has happened. And they have a phenomenal baptismal celebration. And Peter stays. And in chapter 11, he heads back to Jerusalem to tell them what God is doing among the Gentiles. Of course, he gets to Jerusalem in Acts 11, by the way. He doesn't really get the warm, like, oh, Peter, we're so excited for you. You've gone and shared the gospel with the Gentiles. Instead, his welcome is from a group of Jewish believers who say to him, um, we heard that you ate with Gentiles. Why did you eat with Gentiles? I mean, they're, they're kind of upset. But Peter has to tell them, here's what happened. In Acts 11, he tells the story. And he ends the story in Acts 11, verse 17, with these words. One of my favorite passages in the story, when he says, If then God gave me, gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? What happens on the rooftop with Peter? Peter has two awakenings. He has a but God moment where God changes his whole paradigm. The first awakening that Peter began to have to deal with was the fact he was awakened to all the sin in his life that was standing in the way. His Jewish prejudice toward Gentiles. His pride as a Jew, thinking he was better than others. Um, his preference. All those things that were keeping him from joining Jesus in his mission, Peter became very much aware of. He also became, though, aware of this. This was the, this was the huge awakening. In that moment, God began to give Peter a fresh vision of his heart for the Gentile world. And God began to help Peter understand that when I said, make disciples of all nations, I'm in all nations. Because I love the Gentile, Peter, as much as I love the Jew. My son died for the Gentiles as much as he died for the Jews. All of us in this room should celebrate the fact that Acts 10 happened, because unless you're Jewish, we're all Gentiles. <laughs> If this hadn't happened, Peter would have never gone to Cornelius' house. He would have never had a conversation with the Gentile of his own initiative. It was the farthest thing from his mind. But what happens in Acts chapter 10, he has this but God moment where God shows up and Peter begins to see the people around him through God's eyes. Begins to love them with God's love and realizes, yes, they're different from me. They don't look like me. They don't dress like me. They don't eat like me. But you know what? They need Jesus. And that's all that matters. And he repents of all the things that were standing in the way. Because when he, we have to understand that for Peter, this is stepping way out of his comfort zone. Um, he doesn't have butterflies in his stomach when he does this. He probably has vultures and falcons and eagles. I mean, he is way outside of his comfort zone. He's walking into a home of a Cornelius, a Gentile centurion, and he probably hears the voice of his mother and father in the background saying, young man, you don't associate with Gentiles, they're unclean. And he's having to die to all of that because he realizes they're not unclean. They're people made in the image of God who desperately need a Savior. And our conviction is that what the church needs today, more than anything else, we need a but God moment. We need, a, we need a but God moment that awakens us to God's heart for all the people around us. 
And that but God moment that speaks to our heart and convicts us of the things in our lives that we may not even be aware of, the attitudes of the heart, or maybe it's just busyness or apathy that's standing in the way of us joining Jesus fully in his mission to seek and save the lost. And that's the whole purpose of the rooftop encounter and the whole purpose of the rooftop ministry as we work with churches and pastors and leaders all across the world, as we begin setting up these global encounters. And by the way, I forgot to go through the, the slide that talks about some of the goals, but God's already putting all of that together. We're going to be in over 50 U.S., all 50 U.S. state capital. Um, two weeks ago, we got in Tallahassee nailed down, um, working on now getting the state capital nailed down for the actual location. Um, we're going to be on over 200 college and seminary campuses. Um, Florida State Baptist Campus Ministry is going to be leading on Florida State's campus, uh, an encounter. Um, we're also going to be at Baptist College of Florida, met with them a few days ago. We're going to be at all these locations like Azusa Street and, and Northampton, Massachusetts, where revival broke out in the past, as well as Mexico and Canada. But the heart of all of that is to see the church all over the world have a but God moment and begin to see the people around us through God's eyes. And we have a number of people that are doing encounters right now and getting ready for the global encounter. So this morning, as we come to a time of invitation, a time of responding to what God is saying to you, the invitation is quite simple. It's to challenge you as a believer, a follower of Christ, as we're singing, to either make that seat where you're seated an altar or make the altar itself an altar, but just to say to God today, God, would you help me to start seeing the people around me, the way you see them. Especially the people that I'm uncomfortable around. Especially the people that are different from me and they talk different and they look different and they smell different and they eat different. And, but God, help me, to, help me to go beyond all the externals and help me to see each of them as a person made in your image that your son died for that needs Jesus. Help me to love them the way you love them. When Jesus saw the crowds in Matthew 9, it says in verse 36 that he saw the crowds. He was moved with compassion for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, that's the culture we live in. We're surrounded by Corneliuses, people who are looking for answers. They're asking questions. They're looking for hope. There are people right now as we sit here in this very county who are saying, God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? Because I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know where to go. So God, help me. And we have the incredible privilege and honor of joining Jesus as he works in their lives. And move beyond the walls of our buildings and the walls of our comfort zones. And to say, God, help me to love people. God, show me the things in my life that's standing in the way. Any heart attitudes I need to repent of. It may be pride. It may be prejudice. Maybe it's just busyness and re-looking at my schedule and saying, God, I just need to make more time to, so I can start talking to people and getting to know my neighbors and getting to know the people I work with so I can begin that conversation at some point about the gospel. And then just, just coming to that place of even today saying, God, would you start opening doors this week? Even today, for me to begin engaging people, just give me your heart and do that but God moment in my life. That's really the invitation. And if you're not a follower of Christ, if you've never trusted Christ, and you're here today because you're asking questions, today could be the day where you simply say, Jesus, I believe. I don't understand everything, but I do believe this. I believe that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and that you're the one who died on that cross for my sin. 
and that you rose again. And I trust you, and I want to follow you the rest of my life. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your invitation is simple, to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you come into my life today? I give my life completely to you. In a moment, we're going to sing. Pastor Dave will be standing down front. And you just may need to come and talk to him about salvation, need to come to him and just say, would you pray with me? Because I'm burdened for somebody that's lost that I want to talk to. And as God moves in your life, you respond to what God's telling you to do today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I love that song we sang earlier, Man of Sorrows, and reminded us that Jesus, you did pay it all. You took upon the wrath of the Father, you took upon all of our sin, and you did all of that for us so that we could have everlasting life. And so, Lord, we come today, and God, I pray you would continue moving and blessing First Baptist Crawfordville, but help all of us, God, to begin seeing people the way you see people. God, help all of us, even this week, to go home, and, and as we wake up each morning this week, say, God, would you help me to see the people around me the way you see them? God, give us that heart of compassion for the people we see. And Lord, deal with our hearts even right now, the things in our lives, the attitudes of the heart, the busyness, the apathy, whatever it may be, the things that are standing in the way of us fully joining you. Would you awaken us? Would you, even right now, God, allow us a but God moment where you speak, where you show up, and where you convict. And for those that are here, Father, that do not yet know you, don't know your son, would you draw them as only you can today and give them the courage to come to Dave and say, I need Jesus. Lord, this is the day that you have made. We are here. We are here. And we just ask, God, that you would take this time of invitation and that you would use this time for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.